Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Every company has a story to tell, from the small startup to the large enterprise, and everything in between. This is one of them. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. did you take to uh, the cloud? Uh, I don't hop, I ride the lighting. <laughs> That's what I do when I'm on the cloud. That, that's always something fun to do. How, how do you hold on to that? That's the question. Yeah, well, at least you, you do the first lighting, then you just uh, cross your finger and you hope everything goes right. You're not controlling but, uh, that lightning? No, and you, you brought it up. You remember one of our I know, I know. most recent conversation, we were talking about clouds and... Uh, and that's how you said we should uh, we should secure the cloud by, especially in a multi-cloud environment. So I'm sure we're going to get into this in this conversation as well. But I think we got to start from the beginning, Sean. It's not just about the cloud. This is about two guests that yes. are going to help us to, I don't know, understand how we could secure the cloud and how the cloud is a concept that is it's multi-layered, different angles. Multi clouds, it's complex. Yeah, it is complex, and and to this point, I mean, this, this is our ninth story with our good friends at Imperva, where we've had conversations around bots, good, bad, and the ugly. We did a deep dive on API security with Alyssa Knight. Uh, we looked at data transformation, the state of privacy, and we even looked at cloud modernization. And uh, I think that was a good jumping point to this, where. Today, I think with our guests, Mitch and Kunal, and I'll have them introduce themselves in a minute, we're going to look at what it means to be in the cloud, either a new implementation, a migration, a shift and lift, and what are we leaving behind when we do that? What are we carrying forward with us legacy-wise when we do that? And more importantly, how do we uh, get rid of bloat and overload and complexity and, and also fill the gaps and all of that? So... A lot to unpack here, and I'm thrilled to have Mitch Ashley on and Kunal Anand on. I'm going to pass the, the mic to you, Mitch, uh, for a few words about who you are and what you're up to over there. Who am I and why am I here, right? Yeah. <laughs> the big <laughs> yeah. questions. Yeah, well, thanks. First, thanks a, a lot. Appreciate uh, you all having me on with you today. I'm Mitch Ashley, and I am CTO with TechStrong Group which is a uh, representative devops.com, Security Boulevard, a lot of online properties and in-person and virtual events, uh, as well as I'm co-founder and principal of TechStrong Research, an analyst firm that's focused on cloud, on cybersecurity, uh, cloud native, infrastructure, AI, and data kind of is this wheel that we operate in. I call it the, the, the key ingredients you have to have to have an app, right? And, and oftentimes it's cloud or something close to that infrastructure. And just really quick, I come from a background of kind of 50% practitioner, run an IT organization, started as a developer and DBA and, and ended up doing security starting in about 1998 and on being a product creator. So created SaaS products and security products and do that now. So I kind of wear both hats why I have two titles. So that's why I'm here and uh, look forward to having a great conversation. 
Love it. Yeah. Infrastructure and code looks uh, different uh, these days. And Kunal, you know that uh, all too well. Uh, Kunal Anon, CTO of Imperva. A few words about what you're up to. Hi, everybody. Um, looking forward to the discussion today. I'm Kunal. I like computers. I also like security. <laughs> I like cloud. I like having discussions about cloud. And like Marco, ride the lightning. Exactly. Uh, yes. So. We can, we can talk about Metallica too at some point, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, Kunal, that's something that we'll be all, always talking about. Like, you know, one day we're just going to talk about music and, and we, we will do that at just the, the right time and the right place. And you're such a, a multi-faced person with a lot of interest. And every time that we talk to you, it's, it's extremely, extremely fascinating. I always learn something and that's my goal today. Sean, I, I'm here to learn. So... Where do we, we start? We are here to learn. And uh, as I was mentioning uh, before we kick this off, I don't want to educate people around something they already know. Um, so hopefully we can get through some of the, the core understandings here quickly. What I think would be helpful, though, Mitch, is kind of set the stage for us from your perspective, an analyst perspective of where things are today. So are people in the same boat as everybody else or are they kind of in their own cloud island dealing with crap. <laughs> so where, well, where, where have organizations gone these days? It's a great question. One of the things I've learned is every people are all over the spectrum on the journey of where they are for you know, doing DevOps, moving to the cloud, whatever it might be. And some folks are still in the beginning stages of it. You know, um, the cloud, you know, a uh, new boss, same as the old boss, to use a music reference. Or is it something fundamentally different? So I, I think in, in what we've seen in the last two years, not any news, that we've had great acceleration to digital experiences and elevating the role of software and importance to business strategy and to varying degrees for different companies. You know, it's different if you're, you know, Greenfield unicorn versus somebody that's been in insurance or banking for a long time. But I think the bottom line is, Every company has made some steps towards the cloud, most very aggressively, or kind of either in that in that middle stage of of adoption. And what I mean by that is, you oftentimes end up with lift and shift, which is you know what I did with a couple of companies. You get to a point where you're deploying applications either into one or multiple clouds, and there's varying reasons for doing that. You know, there's easier to be in one environment and understand it and not have to deal with the services that are different between AWS, Google, Amazon, whoever it might be, or um, uh, Microsoft. Uh, but there's also sort of what is a natural environment for you to be in. You know, if you're heavily open source, you might look at AWS and Amazon, uh, sorry, I keep doing it. AWS and Google and say, that's a natural step for us versus we're a Microsoft shop. Let's push ourselves or, or take advantage of what we know. And that might also pull you into a multi-cloud type strategy. So it isn't necessarily that, oh, just like we need diversification of carriers coming into our building for, you know, our for our uh, internet services or, or T1 or T3 services. It, it Oftentimes you go to a place because that's where the technology that you're most comfortable working in or you acquire a company and they are there, they're in Google and we're in AWS or they're in whatever. So it's, it's usually not as, as simple as, well, here's our plan and here's where we wanna go. And it's a matter of evolving it over time. So I'm not sure if there's one answer to your question. If you're there is, there is Mitch, beginning. there's one answer. Yeah, it's, I think it's 
pi 3.14 exactly. 40, 42 might be 42 is, 42 uh, yeah but I, what's the question right <laughs> <laughs> so can all actually i want to uh, thank you for that mitch i appreciate that and a similar question to you can all and and it's really around what drives a move to one or more clouds i know early days it was all about scale and elasticity and and standing stuff up easily um, I presume a lot of that's still there, but there's so much service in the cloud now that I have a, a guess that there's a lot of app-driven push to the cloud. So it's less about infrastructure and more about operating applications. But uh, I, I want to get your view on that. Yeah, I think there are two broad themes that force people or encourage people to go multi-cloud. Uh, the first one and this is kind of fascinating, is um, is really more around specific capabilities that a cloud service provider may, may have. Um, like for instance, you may want to use SageMaker in AWS because maybe that's what you want to use for um, machine learning. Um, or maybe there's some capabilities that exist in Azure. It could be Cosmos. Maybe you want a world scale database as an example. And so there's one way to kind of look at this, which is, rather than being dogmatic about going in into one CSP, you kind of look at picking and choosing elements that are ec excellent across all of the CSPs and then spreading workloads and, and data across all of those. Now that kind of turns into a, an issue of complexity of how do you sort of bring and wrap your arms around that. But we are seeing organizations definitely go down that approach where they are picking and choosing best of breed capabilities from various CSPs and then kind of stitching things together. And then the second one, and we saw a lot of this this year. And I mean, if you look just last week, one of the biggest CSPs in the world had an outage that lasted for almost half a day. And, you know, this goes into the second theme, which is really around resiliency and the idea that a lot of people don't want to put their eggs in one basket. And I think especially what we've observed with you know, building in large on-premise, in large on-premises deployments, you've had multi -da multiple data centers, right? And in the older days where we didn't have clouds, I remember working in organizations where we would spin up multiple DCs and we'd have failover, we'd have capabilities of failing over even within a DC. A DC. And I think this is no different. I think you've got elements within a CSP to sort of mitigate with regions and things like availability zones. But ultimately, you can have catastrophic failure. And we saw that where a CSP can go down. And when that does happen, if you're a organization that needs, you know, or has an SLA of four nines or five nines, you know, that's it's really important to think about. And so resiliency is certainly, I think, the second topic or the second key theme in terms of how and, and why I see people sort of looking to diversify across multiple CSPs. So and with resiliency, of course, uh, it comes security. And that's the big question. So the, this is the one that goes to, to both of you as, you know, thinking about the cloud at the beginning, you know, the, the joke is like, it's just somebody else's computer. But it's like, all right, I'll go ahead. The cloud is secure. It's like, I'm losing a car. I don't have to worry about maintaining it. It's secure. If something doesn't go well, I'll, I'll bring it back. But the truth is, it's a very, very complex, even maybe more complex than than on-premises. So 
how do we look at security in front of this big complexity? So, Mitch, let's let's start with you. Yeah, you know, we've I think we've gone past the era of the question is 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 the cloud secure? Can we put our stuff in the cloud? I think most organizations have have gone to a place at least to say that's yes, we need to secure it, but it's not a matter of can the cloud be secure. Maybe there are a few folks that are still hanging on to that, but most that I find are not. I, I think it starts with it's not new. I mean, yes, it's maybe a new way of doing some things because of how the cloud operates and what some of the flexibility that it provides you and how you can kind of rethink things like upgrades, et cetera. But still the same fundamentals apply going to the cloud that you apply in your private data center. You apply, apply in the third-party data center that you're running your apps, your data, your systems, all of that. So my best recommendation is start with the same. Hopefully you have some principles and security strategy of what your organization has put together and then look at how you adopt those same things in the cloud. Because, and the way I say this is you can sort of restart from scratch and rethink everything, which maybe that's helpful because you need to do that. But for most people, you don't want to go to the cloud and have, have a completely different view of security that's antithetical to how you operate the rest of your business. It's an extension or maybe it's the primary location of your business. And so create a, a security strategy across one or multiple providers that is an extension of how you are doing security today. Um, otherwise, you know, you're starting from scratch, you run the risk of you have a lot of things to grow and mature and learn and, and all in the cloud, plus you have to do the same with this new approach to security. I'm not saying do things exactly the same way. I'm just saying you don't have to throw all of it out and start over again. And Mitch, you know, you bring up something really interesting. Um, years ago, Sean, Marco, and I were having this conversation about, for instance, network security. We know fundamentally what that is, right? And mm -hmm. when I say fundamentally, we have decades of industry knowledge that's been built up. What's really amazing, and not to sort of pick on maybe the, a younger generation that's kind of getting into this, is you have a generation that's now getting into cloud and a generation that's getting into cloud security that are you know, either completely ignorant or they're unaware of like network best practices. And I always joke, and I think like there's a great interview question for anyone. If you are working with a, an engineering team or a security team um, that's looking at securing something in the cloud, just ask them some like really trivial networking questions and kind of chuckle because you'll get all sorts of fun responses. I'm not saying this is what you're gonna get with everyone, but for instance, like what is a CIDR? Um, what is a subnet? How do you design subnets? Like, how do you design for least privilege in, in the cloud? And you, know, you can ask some great questions. And very quickly, you'll find people who grok the concept versus people who grok a CSP in the way of doing things with a specific CSP's products or solutions. But I wholeheartedly agree with you. I mean, we're not starting from scratch. There's a great foundation that's been created. And I think for people who are getting into this, people who are kind of looking at it, there's 20, 30 plus years of information security that you can draw upon to better secure these environments. And so don't neglect it. Don't, don't uh, 
don't throw it out and say, well, that's the way we used to do things because guess what? The networks are still networks <laughs> and applications are still applications and databases are, guess what? Still databases. I, I want to dig into this with you, Kanal, because what we've done with the cloud and and services and and even more so with microservices, we've blown up that concept of a system, right? And now you pull these pieces, parts, and you bundle them all together and you, you, you glue them and, and tape them and they make something happen, either through a web interface or a mobile device or whatever, or machine to machine where nobody's involved even. And engineers, and this is where I want you to maybe focus in on and maybe help educate me and, and in that educate how we need to look at security differently this way, is that we use a service, we expect it to do certain things. We don't validate that it's not doing bad stuff. We plug it in, it becomes part of a system, and we don't look at the full system end to end to understand where there might be need. We might need separation of duties. We might need isolation, air gaps, uh, access controls in different ways, stepped off, stepped off for different risky areas. So talk to me a little bit about that, the whole, the whole concept of system versus all these many parts coming together and, and the challenges associated with it. Uh, awesome. Um, so I'll do my best. Uh, and for those that are watching, you'll see me gesticulate. And I think maybe that will help. But for those that are listening along, I'll do my best to try and make this as clear as possible. The way I kind of think about it is you've got these CSPs that operate a, and build a substrate of compute and, and data primitives and, and networking primitives as well. And if you kind of look, and let's just take AWS as an example. When AWS was formed, there were two or three basic primitives of the system, right? It was compute with EC2, data storage with S3, and network and, and networking-based primitives. You can you can build anything up from that. Kind of like with the alphabet or with any language's alphabet, if you know the rules of, of the alphabet you can construct words. And if you know how to construct words, then maybe you can construct sentences. And we've seen that, right? So to kind of build on that analogy, over the last decade, 15 years that Amazon and other CSPs have been doing this, we now have newer types of services. We have newer types of capabilities. We've gone beyond the traditional S3 and EC2 capabilities and solutions, right? You now have these newer types of data stores queuing engines and capabilities, machine learning primitives, uh, 5G uh, as a service. That was an announcement from a couple of weeks ago. And so the breadth of capabilities have changed. And so, Sean, to your point, if I'm someone kind of approaching this, you, you have to embrace the shared responsibility model, which is the substrate itself that the CSPs are operating that's their responsibility to secure that, right? So their networks, their compute instances, their data stores, making sure that they have the right hygiene in place, that's their their goal and, and they're what they have to do. Unfortunately, we as consumers and users of it, we don't have that level of visibility. We don't have that level of control. So instead, we have to focus on precisely what you said, which is things that we can control. So things like access control, we have to focus on things like uh, configurations and configuration management. Majority of the issues that we've seen, whether it's been uh, data breaches or whether it's been uh, compromise uh, with respect to data, 
typically security misconfigurations, right? Someone leaves data in an S3 bucket that isn't set up or configured properly, or someone goes ahead and has a server that's open to the wide world and doesn't have right authentication, or they forget to put something behind uh, a guarded subnet, as an example, or, or gated off with, with uh, requiring step-up authentication. And so those are the things, and it, what's funny is going back to what we were just saying, these aren't new things. These aren't relatively new things. We've been, as an industry, been talking about this stuff for multiple years. The difference is the primitives underneath are not ours. We don't own those primitives anymore. They're someone else's toys. Uh, so we have to make sure that the way that we're constructing and we're playing with those primitives, that that is safe and secure, that we're building the right sort of methodology for looking at those things from a security-based perspective. Because I think we've been so focused on cool new toy, cool new capability. I wonder what we can go and build or how this transforms the business. And that's great. That I mean, I think cloud has done an amazing job at democratizing innovation. Whereas in the past, it was always the people who had the most capital could build out the biggest data centers with the best compute instances. And today, you don't have to worry about that. Today, you can spin up a service and get whatever you want. But with that capability comes the additional responsibility for thinking about how you secure it all. And um, I think there's, you know, as you touched on identity and access management, security, uh, configuration management, uh, making sure that you are still patching. Guess what? Just because the server is, is operated by AWS doesn't mean that you have to stop patching. You still have to patch your own system. You still have to patch your own stuff. And so the basics are really important. I think, you know, I think there's some things that I appreciate what you said, Colin, because there's some things that we can look at the same and things we look at differently. Um, you know, we thought of the cloud as being elastic and that was the big thing about it. I think what we've flipped to is the model of everything is accessible through the cloud. I can get to any service I want with a credit card or an invoice or whatever. And anybody can do that, actually. So the accessibility to technology, to the innovation you mentioned, can all it's it's wide open you can you can do use anything you want but i think what's what's comes along with that is you know i've come to the mind of we have to start thinking about not just infrastructure's code and the software all of its software all the way from the you know bottom of the stack to the top that's true but all of it changes at any point in time we no longer have change control boards where we all get in a room or on a Zoom call and say, we're going to have, you know, CR1052. Is that going to go in the next release? Yes. No. Is it tell you to pass it? You know, we don't do that anymore. It's, it's automated DevOps and tool chains and things like that. And we do testing and earlier in the, in the cycle, at least that's where organizations are certainly moving to if they aren't there yet. And, and the challenge with that is with continuous delivery any part of it, one microservice can change anywhere in the cloud at any point in time. And so knowing what you have is a much bigger challenge than it used to be inventorying our assets in our network, right? How many pizza boxes do we have that do what in, in what physical location? And so along with identity management, access control, and kind of the, the primitives of security, I think understanding and knowing the environment and how it continually changes is extremely important because you'll never be able to really understand what happened when you had an error, a security 
question or incident, whatever it may, may, might be, because a Lambda server is gone or the 52 Kubernetes clusters that were there three minutes ago are now 12. And so all of, all of this stuff is changing. And I think that's where you have to start thinking about security, not as a state, but as a moving river, as water that's constantly changing. And we just have to kind of like quantum physics, right? Let's look at it at a point in time, but we know that we're not seeing the full thing as it really is today. I love that. And I think there's an element to that is, which is really important. Things are fluid, right? So to summarize the, the salient points here, things are fluid and that they're always changing. And they're changing not just from the perspective of the platforms moving, but also your own capabilities. If you're an organization, the way you compose applications and the way you store data is fundamentally changing all the time. And you're absolutely right with the proliferation of things like APIs and microservices that has really changed the game, right? I mean, I, I've just pasted in our, our chat our, a link to one of my favorite XKCDs uh, of all time. And it's the API standards one, which are there are X number of, of standards or specifications out there. Let's build one that unifies them all. And, and then you get, you know, the next thing. And so you're absolutely right. Like the, the proliferation of lots of standards. And also I, what I love is what you just said around the automation of something like a change control board, which typically used to just be so manual and, and get the stakeholders in a room. It's just now completely automated. And with that, again, you kind of go back to, from a security-based perspective, having the ability moreover now than ever before to, to start to think around like blue-green deployments, having the ability to do instantaneous rollbacks. So like if you happen to uh, get into a world where you're moving faster in terms of deploying, well, are you equally fast at rolling back? Are you equally fast at patching? And I think it's, it's super fascinating to kind of think about the fact that it feels it felt like at least for the first five years when, when the CSPs kind of came out that all of security teams all over were kind of panicking and freaking out how they're going to be part of the conversation. And it's great to see them part of it. What, I, what I'd still love to see is security continuing to sort of guide the narrative, which is you want to use these services, no problem. But let's start thinking about what it means for the business or if things go sideways, how do we unwind the stack? and How do we debug it? And, Basics, right? Well, ba basics for you, <laughs> maybe not, maybe not for everybody. So I want to, I'm going to, I'll stick with you for a moment, Kanal, and dig deeper in that. So when, when Mitch painted the, the the fluid visual, I, I pictured a river. And so my question to you is, and and you mentioned inventory. What do you have, right? That that presumes a snapshot in time. So uh, so I'm looking at this river. Am I a boulder in the river with everything that's coming downstream knocking me on the top of, of my head or am I a piece of driftwood in the river banging off of every every boulder and, and side and tree and everything else I guess my question is with with that fluidity are we kind of watching and trying to manage ourselves or are we actually in the river How do, what's it really look like in the DevOps I think it's world so, <laughs> I, I think it's so metaphysical about this topic uh, <laughs> one of my favorite books I read it I reread it uh at least one time a year. It's called uh, Siddhartha by Herman Hesse. And uh, the concept of the river and standing in the river and having that change you and having that change the river itself. And I think that is so true in the realm of, of cloud 
related security or securing clouds in general, uh, yes, things are fluid. You have to get in the river. Um, staying outside of the river, yes, you can see things, but you're not experiencing those things and you don't actually have a sense as to what exactly is going on. And you have to get in the river, you have to experience it, you have to play with things, you will fail. Certain things won't go so well. That's okay, you'll learn. The river will change you and you'll get stronger for, for being in there. So not to make this super metaphysical, but or, or just meta in general, I, I really believe that the, you know, there's a lot of people that I, who I talked to um, years ago who said, I'm never moving to the cloud. I don't trust it. I don't believe that I can secure the cloud. Three, four years later, they're there. Their organizations are in there. And so they have a choice. And I think to those listening who are security minded, you have a choice. Yeah. The year is 2021. The world is embracing cloud services providers. Let's say you run information security at a company. You have a choice. Do you want to get good at this thing? Or do you not? Because this isn't going away. Cloud clouds aren't going away. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. And so, and the reason I say this, and, and not to be so direct and blunt about it, but I think everyone is going to have to become an expert in securing their cloud workloads. There, there's no way around it. So get in the river now. Get wet. Get in the river and experience it, and and learn. That that's my. That's what I would say to anybody. I can always count on Kunal to go philosophical. Yes. And you know how much I love this. So I, I, I want to switch this, but I, I'll keep about the, the metaphor of the river. But Mitch, let's try to look at this from the perspective of the business, right? So the business wants to jump in this river. You don't want to stay away. You can just say, well, my my way to be secure is I don't get outside of the house or I don't do anything, right? You, you got to take your risk. And it's it's appealing in a way because you have so many potential. Like you, you're talking about changing the business, freedom to transform, having things handy. But just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. So how, from a business perspective, can you can make the right choice, maybe even according to the vertical that you're in, the industry that you're in? How, how do you say, wow, this is fun, but let me, let me do it with salt in my head? Well, I, I think what's changing, maybe what's changed already, is every executive, every C-level executive board person, whether they're you know a neophyte at technology or they're the CIO, CISO, has some element of their role that is being a digital strategy executive, right? They don't have to know the technology. They just know that if we don't, if we don't add cloud and, you know, DevOps and all these things, they don't necessarily know what they all mean. If we don't add that to our kind of quiver of what we're doing to be competitive, we, we either are going to be bypassed, we're going to be taken over, we're going to become obsolete. I don't mean to be defeatist about it. It sounds like sort of, sort of secure, such a security argument, right? I don't mean it that way, but we are in an era where software is now part of the business strategies, just not an operational role. It's not just processing claims. It's not just whatever, you know, making reservations on the airline. We create digital experiences. And if you don't, everyone else is. And if you're not taking advantage of innovation like the cloud, like open source, everyone else is. 
they are, they will gain advantages over you. And so executives now look at, look at it this way. I either need to have defensive or offensive strategies, and I need to be able to react quickly. Either, either I want to try something in market. I don't want to do it all over the world. I want to do it in Detroit and in San Francisco and see how that goes. But I need to be able to pull it back and in a second if I think there's a reason to pull it back or I've learned enough and let's roll it out to the next places that we're going. Um, or I have to react quickly in market because the other thing that's that's also happened is you hear a lot, a lot about supply chain. Having gone through some economic <clears throat> turmoil multiple times, I've realized that get, getting the supply chain disrupted is only part of it. Rebuilding it is extremely difficult. But it, because the people that were there are now not there or they're doing it a different way for other people, you can't reassemble the same supply chain you had before. And now everybody's using it an opportunity like Cisco did in 2008 when they rethought their manufacturers of, do we specialize one manufacturer, one product? Do we have one manufacturer do multiple products? They, they rejiggered their whole supply chain. And that's what people are doing, including buying parts of the supply chain. So the reason why all this is important is if you're going to be the land of no, whether you're IT or security, uh, they're going to go to their business unit and say, okay, let's not talk to IT anymore, or the CISO anymore. Let's go get the people that can make this happen for us because I'm not going to have my job. I'm going to miss my goals and I'm going to, I'm going to become you know irrelevant here. So I'm not trying to paint a doom and gloom. The positive of it is these technologies are strategic to companies and they are looking for ways to leverage them. And if you can help them do that by being in the river and playing the game with everybody else versus standing on the sidelines and, you know, being Monday morning quarterback, you know, criticizing things, whatever, you'll be a player. You'll be part of it too. Yeah. I want to just add a couple of things to that, Mitch. So spot on. Um, I think, if we take a more abstract look at things, technology and innovation, whatever you want to sort of lump those things together as, uh, it, if you don't believe in it, you're effectively buying a put option on humanity. And if you think about just the last 30 years, between the 90s and the early 2000s, every company had to have a web presence. And then that got further disrupted where every company in the world had to become a tech company. And now every tech company has to embrace some form of cloud capability, not just for their own products, features, and capabilities, but also for business efficiency and leverage. And if you kind of think about it, every company now is technically, will be forced to at some point use cloud-related capabilities. They may already use third-party vendors and services, could be SaaS solutions, and maybe that's the way that they're going to consume cloud, or the way that they'll do it will be their products, features, and capabilities will end up relying on cloud to better serve their, their customers. Or, you know, ultimately, this is just the journey that we're on. This is, this is innovation, and innovation cycles are happening faster, and you're at, I think the part that is probably freaking a lot of people out, especially a lot of security professionals who've been in the game for a long time, is the fact that these innovation cycles are happening faster. And 
we went very quickly from no one being a tech company to everyone now using cloud-related capabilities inside of 20 years. And in that journey, we've seen a lot of new things and change can be scary. And I think if you really take a step back, that fluidity, whether it's at the service level or whether it's at the macro level, can be daunting for a lot of people. And so I think it's really important to kind of look at it from the perspective of we're all learning, even myself. I've been in this world for a long time. I was very early to spin up my first cloud service. Even I learn new things all the time. Even I get burned all the time, but that's okay because that's how we learn. And I think it's really important to put that out there is that there's no such thing as someone who is an expert in X, especially if X is changing every second of every day. You can't be an expert of something <laughs> if, if it's always changing. And I think it's just important to kind of call it out, which is change is happening really quickly. You got to be part of it and you, you have to adapt because if you think it's over, it's not. If, if, you know, Mitch and I, we've been in the space as you all have for, for years. If we think we're done with innovation in, in cloud, think again. I mean, I think what's on the horizon and what you can see are sort of micro clouds coming up. The fact that you'll start to see these services and capabilities being deployed in more places. The fact that physical points of presence and data centers will transform Telcos are changing the way that they're thinking about compute. Applications have becoming, are becoming further decentralized. I mean, there's a lot of innovation. I'm not even talking about, you know, what I won't say the C word um, or the, the Web3 stuff, right? That's on the horizon. But like that is there too lurking. And so we're going to go through a lot of change. And it's just important to kind of look at it from the perspective of it's okay. Don't panic to, to sort of quote Hitchhiker's Guide. Don't panic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to stick with you, Kanal, and, and go a little further with this. And then uh, I'd like Mitch's thoughts on this as well. And it's kind of a view into the, the future. Because you, you mentioned the next generation of security professional, and they don't have the their their roots in best practices of the behemoth data centers of, of uh, yesteryear. And I'm wondering... Do they really need to? I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here. Do, do they need to, or are we, or should we really be looking at a, a world where we have micro businesses on micro infrastructure running on micro clouds using microservices, where we look at it as a bunch of parts? Now, I, obviously, I'm, I, I mentioned the system earlier, which we can't lose sight of, but I'm just wondering if, if we need to shift in how we think about this define our businesses to Mitch's point. I want to try something, but only in Detroit, right? That, that's genius for me. I mean, cause you kind of, you set yourself up to succeed. Maybe you then leverage the cloud to, to be elastic and scale from there, but you, you test it out. So what's the future hold in terms of defining business using some of the same methodologies the cloud brings to the, to the game? I think uh, a one way to one model or mental model to kind of think about it is, in the past, whether it's security or operations teams were very draconian and very top-down. And it's because the model was such that we are going to spend a lot of money to go build out a data center 
Um, therefore, we need to be incredibly capital efficient around how we utilize those resources. And it would be the board approves, management gets the funds, and it's these top-down programs and initiatives for how to go and do things. The cloud upended all of it. Uh, anyone with a credit card can go online today and start using cloud services and capabilities. I think it's actually one of the challenges that a lot of organizations have today is they may not even know that people within their organizations, so things like shadow IT or unsanctioned IT of teams that are like, you know what, I, I actually do want to move much faster. And so that kind of changes the model a little bit because it's no longer top down, it's now bottoms up. And I think if I am, let's just build on top of Mitch's example, because it's a great example. Let's say some team at an automaker says, you know what, we're going to try and build this new service and capability, but we're only going to roll it out in the state of Michigan, right? And, and we're just going to roll it out there as a pilot. We're going to geofence it. And we just want to test this and move very, very quickly. How would you do it? Well, if let's say it's a promotional thing, maybe it's a Lambda function, maybe it's a static site, maybe it's something that's being deployed to an EC2 instance, maybe you're wrapping it around something, maybe you need data storage associated with it. Okay, great. So you create some sort of artifact, you create some sort of package. But now how does that team get that thing out into the world that has the blessings of the operations team and the security team part of the story? And I think what needs to change and what I'm, what I'm really delighted to see is security teams are no longer going top down and being very draconian, but they're saying, you know what, this is a new way of working. This is a new way of thinking. There is an emerging category DevOps, and you've probably heard of SecDevOps, DevSecOps, DevOpsSec, you pick. And ultimately, they know that they need to be very close with those people. And instead of saying, thou shall not, it's more like, hey, if you are, we would love it if you could, right? And so it's security now being part of the conversation, not top down, but bottoms up. And so I, I think it's a, a phenomenal and fundamental thing that's really needed to happen for a long time. And it's also why you're seeing this Cambrian explosion of innovation in the cycle. Look at all of these great companies that have been birthed because of cloud. I mean, look at this new industry of cloud native security and cloud security in general. It's, it's a brand new way of thinking. It's not just because there's new technology and platforms that you can build on. It's just, it's a new way of thinking. People are working differently and, and that's a good thing. Mitch, I can feel yeah, I, that you want to jump on this and tell me about always, the future of yeah, the future. I'll, I'll follow Canal anytime. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, um, I was running IT for an organization in about two, it was 2010, 2011. My best security engineer came to me and said, what should I be, what should I be working on? What's the next skill I should be learning? And it, it was a relatively new organization to me. And I said, well, you know how to, you know, Python? He said, Python, what's Python? I said, go learn Python. Doesn't matter what for, just go learn it because you're going to need to know. I mean, it's like, I have no idea. You, you are weird. I don't know who you are, but you're from another planet. You're not a network engineer, certainly not a security engineer. And then he happened to go to, I told him, I told him all those boxes in our data center, that's going away. You're, never, you're not going to do rack and stack anymore. You're not going to work with physical boxes. You're going to need to automate how you do configuration management and different tasks and so he came back from Cisco Live or whatever the event is, and so I got it. I 
Now I know why you told me that. And I, I haven't owned a server other than my cell phone <laughs> and my iPhone in my hand. I haven't owned a server since 2006. Uh, I don't own any of that infrastructure. I don't today. I haven't then. I, I think to your question, why I say that, Sean, is that the people coming into the market and we as people that have been doing this for a while, um, not only have the obligation to just tell them how things used to be, that, that's kind of fun, but also to rethink what, what they know is changing how they will do the job, right? People are coming into security. We don't start them in the data center with rack and stack and cabling and all the you know physical and, and do basic, um, basic network security and admining accounts and our, in our own uh, Active Directory or whatever that we're doing. We do that all in the cloud and they're used to that. They live in that world now. Um, they provision people on their Discord server into their group. The, you know, they, they do this. This is part of their environment. It may not be security expert, but they, they already do many of these things. So they're not gonna struggle with, well, how do I do this when everything's software and it's not in a data center? How do I do this when it's moving and changing? Well, you know, I'm on my third Discord server and I used to do whatever before that, just to pick a dumb example. So my, my point being is don't assume they're starting where you started. They're starting from a much different place and take advantage of that because we can learn, frankly, more from them than we can teach them. I and mean, we're going we're gonna to help them a lot. But rethinking that is going to be a, a big plus. Um, so that, that's, I guess, what I would offer on top of I love it. And, and Kunal, as we, as we come to a close here, um, what's the, what's, what's the Python of today? And I, I mean, we, we talked about jumping into the river, right? Just immersing ourselves in the cloud and, and, and learning from it. That, that requires you actually have some visibility of what's coming at you and the ability to respond, uh, either yourself or with the help of others, Right. Um, so what's the Python of today and how do, how do organizations safely jump into the cloud river, if you will, and, and I'll, I'll just further extend it with, with no sense whatsoever and ride the lightning. <laughs> wow, look at you. Uh, I thought you were going to say like fade to black or you could have, you could have, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a great record, by the way. Um, all right. So the way I, I think about things now is. It's less about language because the wonderful thing about the cloud is you can use any language. I've even seen people deploy COBOL workloads in the cloud, right? So ultimately, if there's an API for something, you can use anything. And so I would go a step up from the, the languages. I mean, if you want, I can name languages. Um, Go, Rust, Node, all those things are great. Take a look if you if you haven't seen it, but I would go a step up beyond that, and I would begin to look at uh, interesting use cases. So I would start to get familiar with things like infrastructure as code. So take a look at Terraform, take a look at Ansible, take a look at Puppet, take a look at Chef. Right, great ways of doing things like configuration management. How do you inject security into that? Think about things like a new way of deploying your servers. So before you'd have to deploy all your servers uh, or deploy to all your servers, and then Put it behind a load balancer. Well, it's different today. You've got things like Kubernetes. You've got containerization. How do you how 
do you think you're going to secure these newer types of orchestration related frameworks? And then you kind of go beyond that and, and you can think of broader cloud deployment and cloud management, which is, okay, great. I want to provision, I want to scale, and I want to make sure that credentials and, and everything are all set up appropriately. And I think when you kind of put all of those things together, there's a broader theme here. And, and I'm so glad that Mitch brought up the river um, the, that as a metaphor, because the broader theme here is to jump in and you won't know until you jump in. And if you work at a large organization and you happen to not be going to the cloud, or you may not have workloads in the cloud, at least right now, take your corporate card, go create an account at your favorite cloud services provider and just play. And if you don't have the bandwidth, assign someone from your team to go take a look because sooner or later that is coming in your organization and you want to be ahead of it as much as you can. For organizations where you may already have cloud-related workloads and capabilities, you can't be draconian. You have to partner with people in development and in operations. And so maybe it's not a software technology skill that you have to learn, but it's maybe a personal skill or a series of personal skills, uh, working on communication, working on process management with other teams, and working together versus being antagonistic. And instead of saying, I told you so, no, how do we fix this? Or how can we get ahead of this? Or how can we work together to bring security in as early as possible into the story? So again, I think it's a combination of things that people can do to learn uh, or of ways that people can better themselves. It could be through software, technology, or it could even be through interpersonal skills too. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take kind of a parallel thought to what you said, Kunal. If I had to answer that question to the same security engineer or, or someone starting today, I would say the cloud starts from the first time someone checks out code. That's the start of the cloud. It's not when it gets deployed because guess what? That code's in the cloud. The tools that we use are in the cloud. That's the DevOps tool chain. That's the workflow that's happening. There might be some on-site things, but most of that's going to live in the cloud. So the thing to go learn is how software is created because that's where you're going to build in security into your applications, into the infrastructure's code because that's automated, it's scripted, it's configuration management tools. Go learn the security model of Kubernetes clusters. You know, I used to think, security engineers are going to learn, have to learn software architecture and kind of be almost quasi security, a uh, software expert. Less so now, I think it's more about understanding the security model all the way through that process, because you're going to want to make sure that you can provide auditability on running vulnerability scanning on code on what testing, you know, SDAT and things like that you're doing in uh, security testing and your automated testing, you're going to want to know in production what security actions you're taking and testing as things are getting deployed. You're going to know when I do a canary test, right, for performance testing, is there some security part of that? I need to know. And it's not just the app, it's the infrastructure that's all part of what's being deployed. I mean, there's this idea of GitOps, where everything is declarative, right? Every piece of software in the stack is declarative. So it's changing and the best way to know how, if I said, go build a, go build a, a highway 
and I said, look at a car, that's what's going to be on the road. Uh, you might build a really weird highway. If you looked at what the traffic patterns and what people did on those roads, you build a diff very different road. So I think that's, that's where we need to go in terms of thinking about security, because it's about building it in instead of just protecting things. And with this, I think we have to draw a line because we're not going to get deeper than this, Sean. Um, I want to build a road. You want to build a road? I want to build a road now. It's going to be in the form of a river. <laughs> we're riding the my, lightning. My vehicle is going to float down the road. So we're yeah. riding lightning while we're in a river <laughs> next to a really cool built road. So take exit 42. Making an electric car then. And, uh, you know, because nothing else matters. If we're, we're going to keep quoting Metallica here. <laughs> for, for whom the bell tolls. <laughs> Perfect. Sean, bring us home, whatever yeah, we learn here. I, I don't know where to go from here. There's so many paths. <laughs> but uh, I, I will say that uh, this conversation certainly made me think. And uh, hopefully our audience uh, was thinking a bit as well. I think we, we covered quite a bit from from infrastructure to, to applications and uh, services and, and a look into the a brief look into the past of uh, data centers and the, the future of everything is micro and, uh, and some good advice from both Mitch and, and Canal for how to maybe get your, your head and hands wrapped around this uh, to start because it, it can be overwhelming if you don't have a good place to start so mitch and, and canal thank you so much for this conversation and uh, the imperva team for bringing these stories to light on itsp magazine um, there'll be some resources available in the show notes and uh, links to the profiles for both of these uh super smart dudes uh looking at things from different angles and uh appreciate everybody joining us today We hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you learned something new and the story made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. <laughs>